I'm going to speak about Bartimaeus, okay? And there's just a few points I want to pick up from uh, the story of Bartimaeus in the Bible, which I think is going to help. You know, Bartimaeus was a blind man, and he was healed. And um, how many know that miracles can still take place today? Does, does anyone believe that, really? Yeah? Still believe in miracles? And let me just read this story to you. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, says this. Now, when they came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Teacher, Rabbani, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Great story, isn't it? Of a blind man completely healed by the power of God. I'm just going to take six points of what we may learn from that story. I'm going to race through these. We've just got a few minutes together tonight. But if you, just, if you really get this tonight, I believe it could really change you and it could really impact you. You know, one of the primary queries I get as a pastor all the time, people will say things to me like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing for God. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know what I'm called to do. Anyone, anyone know how that feels? And tonight, I'm just going to try and help you with some of that. I'm just going to pull a few points from this story, and we're just going to see where we go, okay? So stick with me. I'm going to fly through this. It's going to be punchy. It's going to be snappy, and we're going to try and get you out of here as soon as we can tonight, but please bear with me for these next few minutes. The first point, number one, definition. Definition. Now, in your Bible, and you're a good Christian, so you brought your Bible with you tonight, of course. Um, It might say something like this, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. In my Bible, it says, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus gets preached around the world every Sunday. Someone is preaching about this guy everywhere. You know, it's a common story, it's a popular story, and I kind of feel a little bit sorry for Bartimaeus, because for 2,000 years ago now, He's been referred to as blind Bartimaeus. Now, there's one slight problem with that sentence. Come on, you ain't stupid. Bartimaeus isn't blind. So whoever wrote that heading, whoever put that together in the Bible when it was printed, thought they'd just rub that in a little bit more, and they referred to Bartimaeus of how he used to be. Now, man and religion... And people will always try and define you 
by your past. But I want to declare today that if you're born again, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're not defined by your past. You're defined by who you are in Christ. Okay, come on. Now, sometimes when you become a Christian, it takes you a few years to shake off that old reputation. Oh, you know what she's like? She loves to gossip. She ain't changed. Oh, him, he's a drinker. He's always getting drunk. No way, he's not a Christian. And it's in our nature as humans to define people by how they used to be. But I want to declare to you tonight, friend, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you that your past is not your future. Your past has no future. And who you are, you, who the sun sets free is free indeed. You're not that person anymore. The Bible says, he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Definition. You don't need to be defined by what you used to be like. You can be defined by who you are in Christ. God has taken that sin away. Don't let the devil remind you of your past. You can remind him of his future. Don't let the devil, don't let people get in your ear and always try and drag you down, try and drag you away, get you off the path. That's, listen, God has saved you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that in Jesus' name. Number one, definition. Number two, destination. These all begin with the letter D. You're going to be very impressed. <laughs> Number two, I was going to wait till point four to tell you that, but I'll, I'll let you into an early secret in case you're wondering. Destination. Now, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, but he decides to stop off in Jericho. Now, that's quite a detour. Okay? I don't know how much you know your geography, but that's not like nipping down the road to Lafayette. It's a little bit of a distance. Okay? So Jesus is on a mission to Jerusalem, and something takes him out of Jerusalem on the way. When he's on there, something says, no, you need to go to Jericho. The only reason Jesus goes to Jericho is for Bartimaeus. Jesus stops his entire plan, his entire mission changes for one person. We named our organization one by one. Why? Because we never want to lose focus beyond the power of stopping for one person. There's a story about a woman at the well, and Jesus decides to stop for her. Now this woman, she's been messing around a little bit. I think she's on a fifth or, is it a sixth husband? Crazy woman. Some of you can't handle one, never mind six. And she's had five husbands, and the man she's currently with is not a, not a husband. So she's had a bit of a past. Let's just bring a bit of context to that. In Jewish culture, a man could not divorce, sorry, a woman could not divorce a man. Only a man could divorce a woman. So she wasn't just leaving these men. 
She was a victim of divorce. So that's just, just to kind of give a bit of perspective there. Just kind of changes the way you might. I've always read that story and thought, hmm, who's she going on sleeping around? But no, it's not quite like that. This woman was divorced five times, and now she's with a sixth man who's not a husband. Maybe that's why it's not a husband, because she's already been married five times, and five different men have let her down. So she's at the well, and Jesus stops for her. She's the wrong gender. She's the wrong race. She's a Samaritan woman. He's a Jew. And she's, he spends time with this one woman and completely changes her life. If you read the Bible... It's not so much about big crowds and big armies. It's normally about one person. The Bible is a love story of individuals falling in love with God. I want to encourage you, friend. What's your destination tonight? What's your destination? Where are you heading? You think you've got your life all mapped out? You think you've got everything figured out? Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to divert you? Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to change your destination? You might think you got it all worked out. Hey, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to retire when I'm 60. I'm going to have my house paid off. And I'm going to put my feet up for the next 20 years. Hey, God might have a plan for you. God might have a mission for you. I told you before when I was here, the man who got me into missions was 84 years old when he went on his first mission trip. And he went there until he was 97 as a missionary. And he'd spent 60 years backslidden away from God. So don't ever think that God has finished with you. What's your destination? Where are you heading? You think you're going to Walmart tomorrow? No? No way. You think you're going to McDonald's? You think you're going to the mall? Why has God allowed you to go there? Maybe God is going to put someone on your path when you're there. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in that restaurant later on. Go and bless that person. Go and give that person. Are you open tonight for the Holy Spirit to use you and divert your destination? I want to always be ready for God to change my plans. I want to be ready for the Holy Spirit to surprise me and move me and take me places. Number two. Destination. Number three, discouragement. It says that many warned him to be quiet. Now here's what I love. When we get opposition, how many know what it's like to get a bit of opposition? Yeah. The enemy loves to give us opposition. Now we often expect that that's going to come from the devil. And Christians love nothing more but to glorify the devil when something goes wrong. Christians love nothing more. Oh, the devil's attacking me. The demons of hell are trying to kill me. And we love to credit Satan. Now, don't get me wrong. Do not be ignorant of the devil and his devices, says Paul. But the opposition to Bartimaeus' miracle didn't come from the devil. It came from, guess what? The followers of Jesus. Don't that ring a bell? Good old Christians decided to discourage Bartimaeus. Wasn't the legions of hell? It was Brother Bill. <laughs> who sits on the back row every Sunday in the same seat. Please don't have anyone here called Bill who sits on the back row every Sunday morning. 
There's no one called Bill, is there? Is there? Anyone called Bill? Come on, lift your hand. No one's called Bill, I'm safe. Oh, there is a Bill. Oh, sorry, Bill. I, I, I see that hand. Bill, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Every time I've stepped out for God, the opposition hasn't come from out there. It's often come from those close to me. They mean well. They just say stupid things. I remember in 2006, I had a big decision to make. I had the opportunity to go to Kenya on a mission trip for one week. And I was progressing in my career. I worked in sports journals. I worked in professional soccer in the UK. Great job, great prospects, great career. And here I am, one week mission trip, and I throw my whole career away to go on a one week mission trip. It was stupid. It was career suicide. But I knew that I'd heard God, and I knew I had to do something. Now, here's the thing. I decided I was going to make that decision. My colleagues at work were so happy for me. Hey, man, you're following your dreams. Hey, man, you're making a difference. Hey, you're doing something that's really going to bring you fulfillment. They were great. I came into the church. Oh, man. I don't think that's wise. I don't think God would want you to do that. The elders even got me in. They said, no. And they, God bless them, they meant well, but they tried to counsel me out of the will of God. They tried to pray me out of the will of God. They tried to prophesy me out of the will of God. You've got to be so careful who you listen to. Discouragement could come from anywhere. Sometimes family members don't understand the call of God. And that's getting touchy now. That's dangerous ground. But sometimes people close to you don't quite understand what God is doing in your heart because they love you. They want the best for you. These people love me. They didn't hate me. They wanted the best for me. So I want to encourage you to be ready for discouragement. It happens. Many warned him to be quiet. Which brings me to point number four, determination. I love Bartimaeus. Many told him to be quiet. Guess what the Bible says? He cried out all the more. He's like, stuff you, I'm getting this miracle. (laughs) He just thought, forget it. I'm going to get this miracle whether you Christians say it or not. I'm going to get it. Bartimaeus wasn't listening to the opponents. He wasn't listening to the religious Bill. (laughs) Poor Bill. He's not putting anything in the offering tonight, is he? He's not sponsoring a child. I've lost that one. He cried out all the more. Sometimes, guys, when opposition comes, you've got to be so determined. A friend of mine said this, your commitment has to be stronger than your emotions. I'm going to say that one more time. Your commitment has to be stronger than your emotions. Emotionally, we always want to quit. Quit the job. Quit the church. Quit the marriage. No one's saying amen to that one. (laughs) 
But you've got to stick at it. Your commitment has to be stronger than your emotions. When I was here 18 months ago, I told the story of how God healed me. I was given three hours to live. My body contracted malaria. And 5% can kill you. I had 50% of the malaria in my blood. All my organs shut down. Liver, kidneys, heart, lungs, brain, you name it, it was gone. They pulled my wife into a room. They said his body is rejecting the medication. There's nothing else we can do. He's going to die within the next three hours. Three hours. God did something in that three hours. Here I am today. Just two, three hours down the road from here, I was when it happened. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You think I want to go back to Africa after that? The doctor said, you'll be crazy if you ever go back to Africa. Don't do it. Your body won't handle it. Guess what? I've been back to Africa. Guess what? I'm going to keep going back to Africa. Why? Because my commitment is stronger than my emotion. It would be easy to quit. It would be easy to never go back. Every time I see a mosquito, I'm like, oh, is that going to kill me? But I made a decision, I'm going back. Whether the doctor says it's wise or not, I'm going back. You ever been scared? Sometimes you've got to say, God, give me the boldness. Life isn't easy when you're in ministry. Life isn't easy when you want to take nations for God. Life isn't easy when you want to see 10,000 kids every week in Sunday school. When my little boy was born, four days after he was born, they rushed him in. And they said, we don't think he's going to survive the night. Just last year, Becky was in hospital with an infection in her ear for a week. Lost hearing in her ear for one week because she picked up some bug in Africa. Who wants to come on the next mission trip, by the way? (laughs) It's tough. One night, this is a really bad story. One night... We were laid in bed and we realized we, we were scratching and we both contracted scabies. And you could literally feel the insects moving up around your skin. And we looked at each other. We said, let's get out of here. What are we doing? Let's go and get a job and buy a house home and have a normal life. But our commitment had to be stronger than our emotions. He cried out all the more. Maybe, you've got, maybe you're going through a tough time tonight. Maybe things are a bit hard. Maybe things are just not quite progressing how they want to be. I want to tell you, keep going. Keep fighting. Trust God. Amen. He's not going to let you down. Amen. Be determined. I'm going back to that mission field. I'm there in a few weeks' time. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to go there. I'm going to love on those children. I'm going to see God glorified in Jesus' name. The commitment has to be stronger than your emotions. Number five, dependence. This is pretty cool. The Bible says Jesus called him. Then it says this, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've realized this, but there's something kind of strange about that story, that sentence. Bartimaeus is still blind at this point. Yet he gets up, 
He throws off his garment and he walks to Jesus, who he can't even see. Before Bartimaeus got his miracle, he had to take a few blind steps of faith. Sometimes, before you get to your end destination, you might not see the full vision, but you just got to keep taking those steps and taking those steps. You might not see everything. You might be thinking, is this really going to be... Is, is, is it really going to be that? Am, am, I, am I really going to get my miracle? You might bash into something. You might take a few knocks. You might just, just kind of, some people might discourage you and you might kind of have some tough obstacles, but you're just going to keep fumbling around and taking those steps of faith and then eventually you're going to get your miracle. Every time I've done something for God, I've never seen the outcome immediately. I've just had a little glimpse of what God might do. When we had that dream for that orphanage, we needed $200,000. Now listen, in Africa, you don't get a mortgage. You don't go to the bank and ask them to loan you money. You go with a brown envelope, okay? That's just how it works. Don't get mad at me, but that's how it works where we live in Africa. So $200,000, we had to pay that in cash. We had $1,000 in the bank when we started that project. We didn't have a clue what was going to happen. I remember making the call. Hey, get the builders on site. Tell them to start. People are like, you crazy? You need 199000 I'm like, do it. Do it. God's going to provide the money. Do it. Take a few blind steps. Keep doing it. Order that cement. Order those carpenters. Order the wood. Order the... Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Guess what happened? God showed up. Guess what happened? The money came in. Guess what happened? $200,000 cash came in and we paid for the building. We don't owe one cent on it. Because God's a God of miracles. Even recently we had a project. You saw the Dignity Project where we help girls at risk of trafficking. We give them reusable sanitary products. We give them underwear. We, We bless them. We teach them. Last year, 1,700 girls went through that program. You guys sponsored a good chunk of them with what you gave us last year. This year, we wanted to reach 2,500 girls. That's $25,000. We needed a miracle. No money. We said, let's do it. We put it out there. We said, we're going to reach 2,500 girls with this project this year in Jesus' name. And we had a church contact us, some friends of ours, and they said, we're going to pay for the entire project. And they wrote the check this week. And they said, we're going to pay for 2,500 girls to go through that program. Why? Because we took the step of faith. So, let me finish this up. What's God need you to do? What's he put on your heart? Listen, don't wait for the cash to be in the bank. Don't wait for the team to be there, the people to support you. Take a step, take a step, and watch what God can do. Cry out all the more. Throw that garment aside and begin to walk to Jesus. Final point, number six. And this is when I'm going to get you to do something. I'm just going to ask our friend just to play on the keyboard for a few minutes. And I'm going to come to a close. Number six is detail. It's detail. It's pretty simple stuff. It's pretty simple stuff. 
Now, Jesus says to Bartimaeus, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, why would Jesus ask a blind man, what do you need? I mean, Jesus ain't stupid. He knows full well that the man needs a miracle. So why would Jesus do that? I began to think about that. I said, Lord, why would you ask someone who you know is sick, you know is blind, why would you ask him what he needs? Bartimaeus says, teacher, that I may receive my sight. You see, there's something powerful about confession. There's something powerful when a believer just stands up and says, God, I need you. I need a miracle. I need my son to get saved. I need my husband to come back to the Lord. I need something to change in my finances. God, this back pain, it's killing me. I need a miracle. Can you touch me? There's something powerful when a believer in Christ just says, God, here's what I need. When they gave me three hours to live, you, you know the story. Becky got on Facebook and she wrote out a message very specific. She said, please pray for Matthew. We need a miracle. And something happened in that three hours. Something happened that completely changed our lives forever. She went from preparing to losing her husband to holding a miracle. Something happened in that three hours. I can't explain it. The doctor who I'll have lunch with this week can't explain it. He'll say, I don't get this. This don't make sense. But God did something in that three hours. He did something. And what he did for me, he can do for you. It might not be a healing for you. It might be a relationship. It might be a change in work. It might be, we serve a miracle working God. Whatever obstacle you're facing tonight, I want to encourage you to put your trust in God, to put your trust in Jesus.